ladies, gentlemen, creatures to whom such tired ancient concepts no longer apply, I give you Tony Mantis, the Thry Crooner. That's a tough act to follow. But with the luscious and luxurious ladies we have for you tonight, Tony, well, he's just the tip of the iceberg. Welcome to the Miss Zenith Pageant, where the ladies of each spoke compete for your undying affections. Tonight, the ladies of Zenith will be judged in the following categories. Talent, fashion, interview, beauty, and physique. And I'll be your host, the one and only Aspen Vancaster. Our panel of three judges will be using a ballot scoring system, but I won't bore you with the details. Let's take a moment and meet our judges. All the way from Omega Z Zero, born from the mechanical womb of the Infinite Order, interim co-anchor of the experience and my personal friend, Paige Theta Rowe. Thank you, Majus Vatcast. Tonight it's just Aspen, my good gadget. Aspen it is. Tell me, Paige, what exactly could motivate a mechanical marvel like yourself to scrutinize over the imperfections of these lovely ladies? Oh, <clears throat> money. <clears throat> Honest? Ah, yes, and notoriety. Apparently, much like their infants, humanoids seem to lack object permanence. As such, I am required with regularity to expose myself to the quivering, light-sensitive gelatinous spheres of as many individuals as possible so that I might become a household name. Also, I imagine I was selected so that at least one guest might not be swayed entirely by their pulsating erogenous zones. Well, it'll be nice to have your oppressive objectivity folded into tonight's very subjective secret sauce. Next up, singing the sweat-stained sermon all the way from the omnasium of the Iron Church, Tharge Hardbody. It's, uh, it's actually Tharge, Aspen. You kidder. That's what I said. Tharge. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you making fun of me, little man? If so, I have no compunction about pulling your legs off. Your stringy quads tell me that the triradiate cartilage around your pubis would put up little resistance. Gods, no! Do more squats. I... <sighs> I didn't realize you had a speech impediment. Oh, I don't. My hyoids and digastrics are so completely shredded in tones that my speech has evolved beyond the need for ethics entirely. Well, it sounds like one of your many, many strengths on the panel will be physique. Oh, yes. I look forward to agonizing over the bodies of these lovely maidens. 
And our final judge, and the only journalist completely unharmed by the attack on the Fallow Crown's press conference for some reason, is Chib Quietly from Zenith Envy Magazine, the satellite's most opinionated news outlet. Bring on the girls. <clears throat> Six glorious girls wait beyond these curtains. Who will be crowned Miss Zenith, and who will be sent home with a prestigious gift basket complete with Stratmore joggers, Herbal Elvin's body care kit, and a gift card for Baba Javas? Only time, and the judges will tell. Let's meet our contestants! The shape of the Moonstone Dragon dissolves into a fawn. It should have been me. It should have been me. Iavos gripping his wounds, looks down at the two of them. Penelope, who is this creature? This. This is my sister, Rhea. The fawn is decidedly different from Penelope. She has a longer face, decidedly more animalistic. There are lines throughout her face to signify considerable age, and her build is decidedly more slight and wispy. Clearly, this is not a creature designed for combat, at least not in this form. Her patterning is a deep red streaked with white, and her horns, while nowhere near so extravagant as Penny's now, are still considerable in their majesty. What are you doing here? I was, I was given instruction. Something spoke to me. Penelope's eyes narrow. What spoke to you? I do not know. It's not important. It is important. What did it say? It was just coordinates. How did you even get here? She gives you a withering look. The same way you got here. Figures. Penelope, this creature is on death's door. Do I reach for the needle or the knife? She is defeated. Go ahead and help her. She won't attack us again. I doubt she's that foolish. Thankfully, I've learned a fair few things about Fay Anatomy in our time together. Um, whispering a prayer to the mother, I will take out my healer's kit and patch up some of the mortal wounds on this. Penny sibling. She seems largely unaffected by the injuries. Uh, she doesn't seem to cringe or shy away from them, and the pain doesn't seem to affect her at all. Mm. All right. Well, attitude aside, I don't want her to bleed out, so I'm just going to give her a quick patch job. Uh, that's a one on the die, so that's not great. <laughs> As you kind of daintily approach this creature that you're not familiar with and certainly was just about to try to kill you, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, you find yourself shaking and uncertain as to how to move forward. And then she grabs the needle from you and says, give me that. And she starts stitching herself up. And she does, a thread of moonlight begins to trace behind the needle mm. and bind the wounds. Wuxia is just sort of like sprawled out on the ground, cradling his head from all the wounds and psychic distress he's been in. <clears throat> Oi, Pen. Yes, Wuxia? How's your sister know all those things? 
<clears throat> that is a good question. I don't. You do, and that's all that matters. Uh, that that don't make no sense. I. Shah's going to lumber up to his feet. An enchantment to turn our minds against themselves, not her understanding. Whatever you thought, you thought. Let's plain rude. Rhea, where did you hear the name Arsenikos? She looks at you and looks at the ground, begins to shuffle her hooves. Before you were born. Were you there when the Darkwood came to Evdemonia? No one remembers that. Then I ask you again, how did you, where did you hear the name Arsenikos? It is all fuzzy now. Everything's starting to come in, in little pieces. I could not tell you. So fuzzy, and yet you would come here and try to take Do it from me. Do not your voice to me. You see as her snout begins to elongate and turn back into scales and then pulls back. You are the one who abandoned us. Mother was inconsolable. Ambrose ran into the dark to find you. Echo has taken to dressing up and sitting in your place at feasts. Epiphany has been studying the Atanian scrolls in secret to learn of your exploits. Zosimus, the Hidean scrolls, at Mother's behest to see if yours are among the souls of the dead. And Epaphras, well, Epaphras has been crying, as she does, as they do. Penny's face softens a little at the mention of Calliope, but after a moment becomes resolute once more. If any of you wanted to know where I was, all you had to do was pay attention. You spent too much time among your singulars. That's not how this works. And what do you know about it? More than you ever will. I am Rhea, the flowing stream. I am the keeper of secrets and the teller of lies. I am your eldest sibling. And when I tell you that what you have done is something you cannot even begin to grasp, I hope you can understand the significance of that. Yalvos. He snaps to attention, having just been lost in this conversation as Wusha speaks to him. Uh, yes. Ain't things um always a little fuzzy for them? Oh, boy. Well, good to know that massive blood loss won't stop your mind from working in such ways. Now, you, I assume, won't twitch and kick if I try to mend you up. Nope. Gonna go to work on the old Wooster. That's much better. That's a 19. And with my healer's feet, you're gonna get back. 12 hit points. Thanks, Yavos. I always find family things being more complicated than they need to be. I'm just watching carefully to see if this is going to be a reunion or another rivalry. Oh, well, I'm ready when you are. The Eudaemon felt your change, one and all. The what now? The Eudaemon. Penelope, I thought your people were called the Evdaemon. <sighs> She's never been able to pronounce anything right. How dare you! (laughs) These are pronounced U's. Well, I suppose the vowel structure doesn't really matter. That make you Iuvos? I, I, I owe you? I owe you. (laughs) Good to know. I'll hold you to it. Uh, Penelope, should we continue speaking with your family? Or separate ourselves from potential threat. This penny looks uncomfortable for the first time since she appeared. 
and she nods slowly. It'll be okay. In the end, we are family. Come on, Rhea. Would you like to go somewhere else? No. I will be here. I have work to do. You're remaining in Kinuant. For a time. How is Mama? She was getting better. But now, much worse. Has something happened? You happened. You let free Arsenikos. I did not yet understand the significance of this. But he is a god of war and destruction. At least, that is what Calliope tells me. That is not, I admit, what I feel. He is the passion. He is the beating heart. Already conflict has begun to spring up throughout Eudaimonia, where there was only peace. Our material plane is on the brink of global war. But I understand it was this, or looks at the others in the room, or something worse than death. Wusha's going to put his hand up like a schoolchild. Yes, Wusha? Ain't she just said that she's a teller of lies? Why do we believe a single fucking thing that comes out of her mouth? I tell of lies. Ain't that telling lies? <laughs> she, <laughs> she turns to Penny and just looks at her with a severe irritation. <laughs> it has been some time since I've had to deal with singulars that were not petitioners. I ain't trying to get you to sign anything. <laughs> well... I'm sure it's been a while since you've left home. I haven't had reason to. I will admit that my knowledge of your world is limited to very brief questions I've had with Penny in the past, but I assume this Arsenikos name that keeps being mentioned is associated with your sword and shield. Is that an accurate assumption? Yes. An old and forgotten god. Something that perhaps your people imprisoned? I say to Rhea. She looks at you. That is not for me to know, and certainly not for me to tell you. Sorry, I have a mind that tends to try to solve problems. History is not the way it is here. Not the way it is in your world. It is mythology. Fairy tales. But even more abstract than that. I wish... I wish I could know more. But Mother holds the secrets. As always she did. Don't come home. While you still have a place there, it is not a place you want to be. At least not until we find out what is happening. I do have one more question. The ones that came for me, the ones that mortally wounded me, they cried death to the vessel. Do you know who they were or what they were talking about? I would have thought you could put that together by now. You were the vessel for Arsenikos. At least, that is what I assume. And why would they, why did they kill me? For the same reason I already told you. War. If the Dark Fae, as we have heard them referred to, are uniting. She snorts at that. I'm sure they have a, a more accurate name. This is just what our people have been using. I'm sure it's pronounced Do Fae or something. <laughs> Isn't that a couch? <laughs> uh, I understand that your culture is very complicated, especially in their 
timelines and allegiances, but to my mind, if a group of evil unites to defeat something, that thing has great potential to be good. A threat to the wicked is something to be looked at favorably in many ways. Try not to think of things in black and white. Of course. Just one analogy I could make from what I'm learning. It's very complicated and I'm in over my head. But I do wish to learn more. Whatever reason they intended to kill you, we cannot know it. Not truly. But as war begins to spread, I'm sure you will understand. What I understand is that you're laying down rules you don't know how to support. What I understand is that you're telling cruel things you ain't meant to be saying. And what I understand is that... She raises her hand, and I want you to go ahead and give me a wisdom saving throw. 20 total. Nice. You find your mouth starts to feel like gum. Sticky and weird. You can still speak, but it feels very uncomfortable. Why understand... A pain don't want to go back. It starts to wear off. Your filthy home. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Wusha is going to continue to be his charming self and just full on snot broadside at her. <laughs> snot broadside. He's used both chambers now. <laughs> As you begin to expectorate upon her, uh, she rears up and transformed back into a moon dragon. Wusha realized he may have bitten off a little more than he could chew and starts backing up, hands up. She stalks closer towards you, her claws coming between your thighs and just behind you and opens her mouth on your face, breathing what feels like cold moonlight. Maybe I should just stop talking. You are her friend. And for that, I will not eat you. I, I, I'm going to sit down now. What harm I did was intended as a test. What harm I do next will be free of any pretense. Clear. She turns back into a fawn. <laughs> I am sorry. Well, regardless, what's done is done. Look upon me and know what I am. I am dear daughter. I am Hollyhock King. I am both in one. If you return back home, tell them that. Otherwise, it was very nice to see you, Rhea. I've missed all of you. I wish I could believe that. She begins to clear her throat, a deep, bassy, resonant sound. And after hacking for a moment, she spits something up into her hand. This ovoid moonstone carries within its contours a vast and complex nebula, which expands at a rate of eons in a matter of seconds until nothing remains, only for the great explosion to begin again. She holds it out to you. What, what is this? A gift for your success. It's beautiful. I will reach out and take it. It is the Gesh of the Dragon Moon. After you rest, you may speak into it a commandment which you must follow or a secret which you must keep. And depending on the severity of this restriction, it will gain power. That power will allow you to use my breath. But beware, the consequences for failure to abide by the Gesh are terrible. That's 
a very nice gift. Thank you. I suppose your singulars can use it too if they want. Uh, as I learn of your culture, you in turn may have interest in ours. Uh, we do not belong to Penny, though it may seem that way. But in this setting, uh, for the lives we have forged, we are considered equals. She reaches out between you and plucks at something. You most certainly are. She raises her hand and claws open the top of the tent. And as the moonlight, false as it is, begins to spill in, you all see gossamer threads drawn from each of you to her. Yours by far the thickest. Bound, certainly. Yes. Uh, but ownership, perhaps debatable. She gives you a wry smile. I'm sure. If it didn't go both ways, it wouldn't be as significant. She gives you a knowing nod. It's very patronizing. I have something for you as well. Penny reaches into a familiar pouch and withdraws an Aulos. She hands Rhea a single pipe, keeping the other for herself. She gives it a toot. <laughs> this is a gift for you. A symbol more than anything, but we both know that symbols can entwine fates together. This is so we meet again. She places it in the uh, vest that she is wearing. Go. Do what you will. You always did. Uh, Penelope, I think me and Wusha will return to Aheshka uh, if you wish to linger for a while. Be by yourself. Let us know. I can leave. Uh, Wusha, you've been separated from your family for some time, right? Mm-hmm. What are the odds of some of them coming and trying to kill us? Uh, slim to none, I hope. Very good. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I will go with you. Penny pauses for a moment and begins to lift her hand towards Iavos, almost reaching for his, and then suddenly stops, putting it back at her side. Iavos doesn't seem to notice and turns with Wusha. Wusha will definitely back out, but not fully turn around and put his back toward the thing that could easily kill him in one bite. Just the careful beep, beep, yep. beep. Yep. <laughs> As you walk out into the moonlight, you hear a whisper on the wind. I am the cold eye in the night. In Crescent, though I sleep, I still watch. Wusha pees a little. <laughs> <laughs> You return to Aheshka. As you enter, you realize that everything is as it should be. There are no disruptions, no mess. Uh, there's no threats, nothing at all. The night market is still ongoing. The night has been going on for some time. Dawn does not seem to be arriving anytime soon. But none of you are quite prepared to continue partying or reveling. Instead, you adjourn to your chambers. They're really good at cleaning up cake and blood. <laughs> Wonder if it's not the first time. The next morning, Penny, you were awakened by a padding on the door. Yes, who is it? It's a big cat. Oh, go ahead and come in, Gilder. I don't have hands, not really. I mean, I could probably open the door, but I'd rather you just open it for me. I'm, I'm a fade, crossing thresholds, you get it. Oh, yes, of course. Penelope will go and let in Gilder, or at least open the door, depending on what he's going for. Uh, you open the door, and he's just kind of sitting there, politely, waiting for you. We have your rewards for your work. 
Hmm. I'm not sure you're going to like them or need them, but hopefully you will. He kind of nudges a little bag next to himself toward you. Uh, It seems to have objects inside of it. Feel free to leave at any moment. You're paid up through the day, though. Thank you, Gilder. Is that all? Our business is concluded. But I suspect our friendship has only just begun. (laughs) I think that, too. Oh, by the way, I don't think Gaspar is here anymore. (sighs) I suspected as much, to be honest. Do you know where he's gone? No, and I find that very distressing. As do I, to be completely truthful. I imagine he will find you in time. Or he won't. Watch that one. Believe me, I am. When Iavos wakes up, the first thing he does is go to the table in his room and take off one of his heavy dangling necklaces and study two of the bells hanging on it. One of them has a leather strap labeled Halifon, the other one a leather strap labeled Gaspar. Halifon rings and then doesn't ring. And then a little while later, it rings again. Gaspar's, as you look at it, you realize it doesn't have a clapper. Hmm. Can't tell when that one's dead. Happened before I got this. Interesting. And Halifon's definitely still engaged in battle. All things as they should be, I suppose. To my chagrin. Reattach it. Usha is going to gather his belongings up and together, and he's going to see if there's any way that he can fit the extremely comfortable bathrobe into his bag without getting it soaked in (laughs) seawater. You try to fit as much, like every single thing that is loose and not bolted down into your bag. And you're you able to you're able to get a pretty good sizable chunk of shit. Like you get your bathrobe, you get all this other stuff. It's but a big if, bag. But everything you touch is going to get a little damp and a little salty <laughs> and a little crusty later because of the salt. But yeah, he's grown used to it. With a shrug of resignation, he is going to carefully walk outside. After the threat that was issued to him yesterday, he is going to carefully walk outside and not put his back to any windows. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. Wushal will go outside and wait for the rest of his party to show up. Ivos has a similar plan near the main hall, just looking, keeping an eye out for Wusha and Penny, watching the crowds do their silly games and japes. Mm-hmm. Ivos is also unceremoniously collecting a plate for Wusha of breakfast shrimp. <laughs> of course, of course. It's the best way to start the day. What makes them breakfast shrimp? The time of day you consume them. <laughs> It's like a, it, he has a, what's called a Bristol egg, which is basically just a scotch egg, but instead of sausage, <laughs> it's just shrimp on the outside. Are you kidding me? I'd eat that. I would eat that. Or it's just a tiny scotch egg with a piece of roe in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> oh my God. Pixies would make scotch eggs like that. Yes. Oh. I mean, imagine cutting into a scotch egg and roe just pours out of it. Mm. <laughs> it's called an Edinburgh boba. I love it. <laughs> The Edinburgh. Edinburgh, (laughs) You all eventually find your way to the main hall, Penny carrying the sack of goodies that you've received from the Fae. Well, I suppose it's time to leap down from the lap of luxury and return to our quiet home. Quite a jump. You think you can make it, Yavos? I mean, if you'd rather go back to the spec center, that's your choice. No, no, I would not. You make your way back to your ship. The boulder is there having a conversation with something that looks like a centaur, but has the lower body of a deer. He kind of waves to you. 
the rocks grinding as he does so. You take off and return home. Wuxia seems to handle the ship surprisingly well. And then you remember, oh, wait, he spent probably most of his life on a ship. Mm -hmm. And realizing that Gaspar is nowhere to be found, you simply return to your home where you find him sitting at the dinner table. Gaspar? It took you long enough. (laughs) Where were you? Working. You can't just disappear. I believe it's in my job description. (laughs) (laughs) I'll use the witch's thatch to disappear right from the dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're all right, Gaspar. I would never try to stop you from working. I just, when we don't know it's coming, it can be very unsettling. Sometimes the jobs are very immediate. Well, considering that you were kidnapped during the draft, you could have at least told us. I thought you were just very good at hiding. Good to see you, Gasper. <laughs> I didn't know Gasper was missing. <laughs> God, he's good. No, I do apologize. I should have left some sort of notice, but discretion was demanded of me. Uh a symbol then, Gaspar. I say pulling out the enchanted gloves that you personally picked out for Avos, and I grip it three times. Three grips means I'm all right. Job's a job, Gaspar, I understand. Thank you, Wisha. The bag, you got a bag of shit. You did miss one hell of a head, but, uh, and we found out that it's, uh, Pen's femme, and, uh, probably not a head you should have. Oh, you had me excited for a second there. Oh, you know, sorry to let you down. It turns out Penny's sister's the moon or a dragon or something. (laughs) That's a big head. We fought a dragon, Gaspar. We could have used your help. Did you really fight a dragon? A dragon tested us in combat. Actually, Pen, I've been meaning to ask you about that. You see, I got my mother's eyes. Are you, uh, I'm going to prod you in the shoulder a little bit. You're going to get all scaly on us and try to eat me. My mother is not a dragon, Wusha. <sighs> he will visibly just like wilt into a chair and relax. Wait, what about your father? I I don't remember anything about my father, Gaspar. Oh. You know that. <sighs> Sorry. You apologized. I shouldn't stay mad at you. Did you win big at the casino? What is that bag? What? Oh. Oh. No, Gilder brought this for us this morning. It's it's our, our winnings, our payment. Should we be cautious opening an unmarked bag from a fae? Why are you all so paranoid all of a sudden? Were you not with us over the past 48 <laughs> hours? <laughs> that was the most normal place I've been on Zenith this whole time. Oh, did... Did all that not seem normal to everyone else? Uh, not quite, but regardless, I was going to put on his specs and say, let's take a look then. Salty mother, I thought my life was hard before this. Inside the bag, you find the following items. Each of them has a little tag with an explanation. The wand of the page. The wand is a silly thing. Sleek black plastic with a white nib. The sort of thing you might expect to find at a child's birthday party. Yet it brims with the power of ages. It is an uncommon item that requires attunement by a non-spellcaster. It has 10 charges. It recharges after a long rest following a performance of a task wherein you refused payment. 
The attuned creature may expend a single charge to cast any of the following. Decompose, Druidcraft, Prestidigitation, Thaumaturgy, Mage Hand, Mending, or Message. For the purposes of Dispel Magic, these cantrips are assumed to be 4th level spells with a spellcasting ability of Charisma. However, on the bottom of the note, you see something labeled a Caprice. Favor is favored by all who witness it. These are not for your benefit. Selfishness will not be tolerated. The next item, the Cup of the King. It is a golden, gaudy thing, practically dripping with gemstones of all sorts. This unwieldy and long-stemmed goblet, with a silken napkin in its cup, befits no true king. Yet in the hollow of its cup, one can hear distant sounds of joy and revelry. An uncommon item also requires attunement. It has one charge. You can recover this charge by taking a meal with no less than four people. During that meal, any liquid poured into the cup becomes a delicious sweet red wine. All in attendance must drink to intoxication in order to recharge the item from the cup. Once placed upon its silken napkin, the attuned creature may pour any liquid into the cup, a bonus action, at which point any creature then may drink from the cup to gain the benefits of that liquid, meaning potions, etc. A cup holds four doses total. After two minutes, any remaining doses transform into a wine of remarkable vintage, which grants 1d4 temporary HP to the drinker. Uh, if the contents are spilled, the effects end, as this is considered a party foul. <laughs> the Caprice says, it's a party, act like it. Morbidity and maudlin carryings on will not be tolerated. Also, it makes me think of the Fairy Queen from the Dexter D&D episode, where they search for the, the cup the whole time, like it's this grail. It's like, well, what does it do? You can drink from it, and it'll never spill. <laughs> oh, Faye. You then find the whetstone of the queen. This old and worn whetstone sings with a lacrimal despair when placed upon a blade. Uncommon, attunement. When applied to any bladed weapon, the whetstone adds 1d6 force damage to that weapon until the enchantment is removed. The effect can only be active on a single weapon at a time. To remove the effect and enchant a new weapon, the attuned creature must slay a foe in the name of justice and declare its will done. Caprice. It is in justice we find order. Unjust action will not be tolerated. And finally, the Star of the Night. A simple silver pentacle pendant. It bears no markings and does not draw the eye. Yet in the very center of the pentacle is what appears to be a small grain of sand which emits a cool white light as though from a distant star. It has three charges. You can recover all charges by revealing a personal secret to one who might use it to harm you. Common attunement. One charge. Look into the eye of a creature while holding this in your hand and expend the charge to know one each of the following. One lie that has been told to them, one secret that has been kept by them, and one love by or for them. This can never be used on the same creature twice without the use of a wish spell or a cleric's divine intervention. Caprice. Secrets are precious and fragile things. Their wanton destruction will not be tolerated. The cup is overlarge, yeah? Wusha will reach toward it and say, Oh, they made it me-sized. <laughs> it is a fine vessel for liquid, and you are the wettest of us all. I am a damp boy. I can just imagine him squeezing out his shirt into it and just <laughs> taking a sip. <laughs> Waiting two minutes till it's wine. <laughs> oh, I just can't wait. I drink some sweet, sweet wuxia milk. Mm. <laughs> That's a pretty good wuxia impression, Zach. Thank you. <laughs> so there's the the geese, the geese, the geish, gesh, the gesh, or okay. geish apparently. The goose, the wand, the cup, the whetstone, and the star. Correct. 
As you ponder the last of these items, you hear a knock at the door. Uh, you expecting someone, Gaspar? I don't believe I was followed. I doubt that. That you were followed, that is. Uh, hello? It's me. Oh, lovely. I'll go let Rain in. You open the door. Hi, get ready. Uh, come again? I mean, no, not right now, but tomorrow. Get ready. Uh, get yourselves prepared. I got you into a battle access opening. Ooh. Oh, dear. Apparently the battle standard won't be able to make that appointment. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, from the hospital ward, I assume. Indeed. Well done, by the way. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. <laughs> that is a bit rushed, but I suppose that's the nature of our occupation, isn't it? It is indeed. I'm afraid we blew all of our glory finishing off the battle standard. So we may be in for a challenge. You've gained some new glory, obviously from that quest. You did remarkably well. They've given you a four in teamwork. They've given you a five in ingenuity, especially because of that uh, lightning rod thing that you did with the snake. Mwah, oh, beautiful. thank you. Not to mention the cake. <laughs> Your discipline was spot on, perfect five. And needless to say, your valor was remarkable. You were so close to a perfect score, but unfortunately, one of you did go down. And what did that total out to? Uh, that's going to be... Hold on, let me do the math. It's 4.75. That is quite good. No, I'm very bad at math. <laughs> the fact that it took me that long to add and then divide is embarrassing. It's all right, Rain. I'm bad at maths too. I, I believe you. By the way, Rain, it's nice to meet you. I'm your new penny. Okay. I don't know what that means. Oh, you do look different. Oh, you are different. Okay. Nice. I like that. Something we're all getting used to, but I think this is going to be good for us in going into the battle axis, for example. I wasn't paying attention to the first half of the quest, and I didn't know what was going on, so for me it just looked like you had a new battle grammar, so I'm glad you've got a new body. That makes sense. I will probably need a reassessment. Um... To update my character sheet, so you're aware. Oh dear. I hope you haven't uh, increased in level at all, or decreased for that matter. You, you might have to leave the crown. We'll deal with that when it comes to it. You at least have a grace period to report such changes. Anyway, I have to go. Tomorrow, battle axis. You good? Everybody good? We'll have to leave these magic items behind until we have time for the paperwork. Uh, yes, of course. And also, they're not axis items, so you wouldn't be able to bring them anyway. Unless we paid glory, right? No, oh, yes, I suppose. Uh, she hustles out the door and closes it behind her. And there you are, standing awkwardly, none of you really knowing each other. <laughs> Nothing quite like a quick rain. Clever. Appreciate you trying to fill house spot there. <laughs> well, I'm very tired, and I think I'm going to go to my room to do some studying. Mm -hmm. I need a stiff drink. It is payday. It's a good day to celebrate. Or then, bring the cup. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> you all spend your evenings as you will, some in company, some in isolation. However, Yavos, when you come into your room, you find something sitting on your bed. It appears to be a packet of paperwork. Curious. There is a lot of it. But of most note is the document on the top. It seems to be a deed to an apartment in Verata. Hmm. All the paperwork is in order, and there is a significant amount of it. But the name on the deed is Isvet, Priestess of Odette. The note reads, Bureaucracy can be prison or paradise. 
Regards, Johann Goethe. Ooh. The next day, you find yourselves at the battle center, waiting for your gear, choosing your loadout. The quest has been given to you, and the conditions are clear. Subterranean, presence of undead, no man-made structures. Ominous, uncertain. They're no longer providing you information about objectives for battle axis quests, as all axis quests are now assumed to be exploration until conflict presents itself. Discipline will now be judged based on adherence to dungeon theme and intent. Mm. But none of you much care. As you approach the skin of the axis, going through the processes and procedures, the wall begins to close behind you. But not before you hear a distant cry from the Zenithal Guard. Stop! Halt! You're under arrest! But it's too late. As the skin closes behind you, the quest begins. The fallow crown, fresh off an unexpected bout in Kinuit, have already gotten back on the proverbial horse and are making their way into the exits. The new regulations put forth by the administration have removed quest classifications for Axis dungeons. The employment of mediums to predict possible quest outcomes proved to be cost-ineffective and did little to aid in discipline scoring. Page. Yes, Warren? I thought I was flying solo. Aren't you supposed to be at the Miss Zenith pageant? Oh, I am. Forgive me if this is impolite, but I didn't know two iterations of the same plural could exist on the same plane. My beautiful Eben brother, what you don't know about plurality could fill a library. Don't worry, you have my full attention. So, we're just... Glossing, yes. Like the quivering lips of a teenager on prom night. Vivid imagery, if inappropriate. I fail to see what's... Oh dear. What is it? It would seem Fetch Killian, trickster fay and visitor to Kinuit for the night market, has been murdered. By the lords? Was this a quest? How did this happen? Fetch Killian, the ambassador for Arcadia, the fay plane of Theta Y7 Prime, was beheaded. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be making 48 individual ham, blue cheese, quail egg, and blackberry pies. This is me wife's favorite recipe. Oh, I'm quite nervous. I've always made mine with cotton peaches. I need two seven-tier lemon cream cakes, three dozen flaky beef muffins, and a chocolate fountain. Bakers, you have one hour. Oh, I'll never finish in time. The flavor is... Oh, it's got a nice crispy bottom. The Great Halfling Bake Off, tonight on PSB, the piercing-slashing-bludgeoning network. 
Hey, all you cuties. If you solve the riddle of my mid-roll, you can leave here alive. What is orange like a tropical bird and smells of berries in the summer? Actually, forget about the riddle. I don't know what brought you to this show, be it a social media post, an ad on another podcast, or a friend's recommendation. Maybe you just found us out of the blue, but we're delighted that you're here with us. It seems like all it takes for people to fall in love with the show is to give it a shot. It's wild how often it works, and it makes us feel really awesome. So now we just need to get it in front of more people. As always, let us know if you have ideas on how to do that. And if you want to hang out with other fans of the show and the actors and creators, join the Discord. It's wonderful. It's wholesome. It's full of great people. And we're active all the time. In the meantime, if you're already on the Patreon, you have access to a boatload of D&D content to use in your home games. And more is added regularly. The highest tiers get to make characters for the show's meta in the battle axis. Or get mentioned in the mid-roll with their legendary teams. Sounds pretty sweet, huh? Worth checking out. I think so. Our current legendary mid-roll teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, and this week's featured team, the Ceaseless Horde. With Dave Mladenoff, Daniel Pickens-Jones, Patch Perryman, and Jeff Ammons. To get a personal message read on the show or possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. If you can't get enough Slapdash, be sure to follow us at Twitch at Slapdash Streams for Monday night LUQ live premieres with Dungeon Mistress Dana, Wednesday night me and Zach's cooperative Pokemon Nuzlocks, and in the meantime, Thursday's Penny Plays will be postponed because Dana is a very, very busy person. The website has a couple of updates, the merch page has some updates, and there's only a few pins left, so if you've been putting it off, you're still in luck. The sales really just stopped, and the box I keep them in has a few left rattling around in it. Everyone we've talked to who's gotten one said how much they like the quality, and I know I'm still impressed. So this could for real be your last chance. Check out the LUQ.com for links. And if you're here for the live premiere, stay tuned for a new Undermile info drop. And keep an eye on social media for more details to come during the week. I'm very excited! Woo! But that's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the battle axis. Dear friends and family, we are gathered this day to lay to rest. Beatrice Wamfimble, beloved mother, faithful wife, strong-willed truth-seeker, and collector of antique cheeses. As she makes her way to the afterlife, we know she is passing to a better place. What, what is the meaning of all this noise? We are performing a burial. Looks like this party's as dead as old Granny Wamfimble. <gasps> Excuse me. Just because the old bird turned in for good doesn't mean the fun has to stop. Come on, you crybabies. Let's dance. It's the Technomancer's Necrofancy Wing Ding Wagon, here to bring your dying party back to life. Popping coffins, blasting tunes, and shaking their bony body all night long. Come on now, everyone. Move those bones while they're still yours. I am so sorry, everyone. I had no idea. I've just never in all my days. Turn the graveyard into a raveyard and put the fun back in funeral with the Technomancer's Necrofancy Wing Ding Wagon. Leaving good times in its wake by ruining yours. Coming to a funeral near you. 
As all natural light fades and true darkness begins, you first notice the chill. It's not a biting cold, but a deep, all-encompassing chill that heeds no cloak or fur. The membranes in your nose harden slightly, and the constant sound of stillness is broken only by the slight echoes bouncing off of rock when you adjust your bodies. The second thing you notice is the smell. A pungent, musty smell that reeks of stale air and alkali. The chill has begun to creep into the cracks of your clothing and armor and now permeates over your skin. As you adjust your feet, the ground feels unstable. Pebbles, perhaps. First reaction to darkness is Ayavos pulling his magic lantern off of his belt. And by magic, I mean I use it to cast light through a lantern. Usha is going to wrap his arms around himself and shudder and say, You know, everybody said, oh, I'd be useless. I'm only helpful on a boat, but this is surprisingly close to what it's like sailing in the wintertime. Don't your people have a resistance to cold damage? (laughs) That doesn't seem to help now. This membrane armor is very warm. I'm quite lovely. Using the light source now that I can see, being a human, I'm going to try to do, I guess, a nature check if I can to get some information about what kind of dark place we're in, besides it being stone and smelly. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Thank you. (laughs) Like, you consult your notes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, That is an 18 for knowledge nature regarding the nature of the nature. So, you are underground. The floor, the wall, the ceiling is made of rock. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You move down the tunnel slightly to get your bearings. Rising upward from the stone pathway are columns and crossbeams of red cedar. Hewn and cut by hand, not nature. Their shapes making frames every 10 feet or so to keep the tunnel from collapsing under its own mountainous weight. The ceiling varies in height and is lower than you would think, about six feet high at its tallest point. The gentle rise in the ground gives the impression that you're walking slightly uphill, surrounded by thickets of quartz and intrusive rock, taking more than a minute To examine the tunnel, it also appears to be carved by hand. Maybe following along the natural flow of the rock, but the formation is definitely man-made. The pebbles that you're walking on right now are not pebbles. Oh. I'm going to scoop one up and take a look-see. Investigation. Medicine, uh, either of those would work. Yeah, certainly. Let me reference my character sheet real quick. Obviously medicine. (laughs) I mean, I've never rolled, I rolled a 20 on the die, so that's good. (laughs) Um, But I've never medicine checked a pebble before. So this is new for me. That is because these are not pebbles. They are shards of bone that have been worn down into small, smooth chunks If you can think of sea glass, but with bone in a cave, 
So it's like Satan's fish tank. Absolutely. <laughs> and there is a lot. You see Ayavos like pick up the pebble and hold up the lantern and then like immediately drop it and kind of recoil his hand. Be like, it's bones. It's all bones. Oh, good father and mother that's bones. Wuxia is about half an inch from just putting one in his mouth. Let's go of it. Now that you know it's uh, not a pebble, I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to suck these dank wall rocks. But boy, now that I know it's a bone. You really learn about a cave by sucking its pebbles. I'm a very kinetic learner. Wuxia's just like, I hate the way bones taste. He's like, you eat bones? No, why would I eat bones? I hate the way they taste. <laughs> Got to careful, carefully pick them out. Pick them out of my rocks. <laughs> this is not a boneless cave. <laughs> oh, man. It's not a cave in nugget. <laughs> I have a couple questions for the group. One, how tall is everyone? Bouchard is a Goliath, so uncomfortably tall. He definitely has to crouch down. Well, duck down here, at least. Absolutely. As a young, vital man, Iavos was a solid six foot even, but in his slightly emaciated, aged form, he's hunched down to about a 5'8", five, 5'7". Five, okay. Soon he will develop a fine hump. <laughs> <laughs> New Penny is six feet tall, not including her horns. I would say Iavos is about a head shorter than everyone else. You said Iavos, and that's not okay. <laughs> meant Gaspar. Yeah. You're right. Iavos, your head is nice and safe and plump. Wusha, would you say seven? Seven and a half? Eight? I'd say definitely not eight feet. I'd say like probably seven foot two, seven foot three-ish. But on Tinder, it's seven, six. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Depends on which gas station he's walking into. <laughs> and then Gaspar, um, five. Like... I'd say 5'5 five, five at the stump. <laughs> at your feet are a pair of rusted rails atop rotten boards. They lead further into the tunnel, disappearing into the darkness. Hanging from a crossbeam is an iron birdcage, its bars pried open from the outside. As you move deeper into the tunnel, the quiet stillness gives way to the dripping moisture forming calcium monuments. You pause to adjust to the sudden noise as each drop seems to reverberate deeply throughout the cavern. When you begin moving again, the sounds of your footfalls ricochet throughout the tunnel. Any light you shine reflects off the jagged rock at the edges of the tunnel, creating a kaleidoscope of wet, reflective stone and dark crevasses. At this point... Even with your exploration, you've probably only moved 15 to 20 feet, hesitant with the darkness, not yet having identified where you are. Anybody know about rock stuff? Well, I know that this is an exploration quest, and as this cavern opens up, it seems our options for direction become more and more infinite. What are these for? Wish I was going to point down at the rusty rails and old rotted wood. It appears there could be some sort of vessel that rides along it. No, you're speaking my language. This is what's called railroading. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have any of you make a history check. Mm. Oh boy, mm. here we go. I'm so I'm so horny to use my new plus nine to all my knowledge skills that I've been wasting. A twenty-one. 
I rolled a 20, which means I got a 19. Outstanding. <laughs> so Wuxia is particularly excited that he knows something about land, I'm assuming. Through all of your travels near and far on the ocean, you heard tell of these crazy places where people dug into the ground to get materials out. You don't remember what they were called, probably, but this is probably one of those things. You know that because it's a tunnel underground and there's wood and you've, you've heard tale of them. Iavos, you immediately identify this as obviously a mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be nothing else. It's very obviously a mine. Wonderful. I've heard tell of these places where people dig shit out. <gasps> you know what that says? This is for a dirt wagon. <laughs> yes, uh, rails for I would call it a mine cart. No, I don't think it belongs to you. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a man-made mine, quite clearly. What they were digging for was hopefully not bones. Because if it was, they struck it rich. (laughs) Uh, So the only option before us is to choose a direction to continue our exploration. With caution, of course. I suggest we go upwards. Increasing in elevation? Yes. And that way, if there is a cart, we can ride it down. Mm. If it's already down, there's no point. Unless one of us pushes it and doesn't have any fun. Exactly. I can push. That seems reasonable. I'll take point. Busha, you stay with me in case we can counter any hostiles. Uh, Gaspar, please stay behind Diavos to keep him from being flanked. There is a lot of flank to guard. (laughs) Do any of the passages seem to go more upward than the others? So with your, if I remember correctly, it was a 21. Mm -hmm. You know that oftentimes mines are dug slightly up simply to allow the pushing of a heavy full minecart downhill much easier. You want to push it uphill empty and then downhill with all the stuff. So to go deeper into the mine, uphill is definitely the way to go. In addition, there are several offshoots, sort of arteries of of the main tunnel. Mm -hmm. And through some simple exploration of that, it looks as though they are exploratory. And most of them result in a what looks like it is probably a cave-in happened. Mm. Uh, it looks like they dug maybe 30 feet in and there was nothing. And so mine. they just gave it up. Yeah, absolutely. You'll see some broken chisels, some broken hammers, pieces of wood, evidence of miners having existed here. Child labor. You got to it before I could. I think it makes sense to follow the main tunnels. Following the rails, I think, say, makes, yeah. Yes. And do the uh, tools that we find look of a human scale? They definitely look of a humanoid scale. They're something that you guys could use. Perhaps they're a little bit smaller than what the Goliath would have. But using your intuition, if a regular pickaxe is 12 inches long, this mm-hmm. one is going to be 10. Gotcha. Well, since we're in a dark cave full of bones... I'm going to pick up one of the bones and crumble it to dust in my fingers and blow it to the place between life and death and cast false life on myself. Okay. Because I am a soft boy. A three. Wonderful. As you guys walk forward and progress 
uphill slightly following the rails. I'm going to have Iavos and Penny make a dex saving throw. And Wusha, you're going to make a dex saving throw at disadvantage. Love that. Got it right here. That's an eight, baby. Eight. I don't like to show off too much, so I got a nice middle-of-the-road 10. Hey. Dirty 20. Outstanding. Wusha, as you are walking, you smack your head against one of the lower support beams, and you see a bright flash. Your party disappears in front of you. The tunnel remains, but they are gone, and you see the following. I would love for Wusha to make a decision about whether or not he's sharing this information with his party. And if you want to share it with them, Wusha should share it with them. Sweet. Uh, oh, crew, uh, you there? Uh, I can't see you. I see a pair of little guys, some halflings. They're installing one of them things up above us, the, the, the wooden things I would crack my head on. Uh, there's only about 20 feet of space ahead of us. Can't go very far. Uh, they're making some kind of joke laughing about how hard it is for them to put this all the way up. Uh, they don't seem like they're very good at their jobs. Oh, they're, they're, they're carving some letters into it. Looks like an A and then a a J and my head's fucking killing me. The image that you just watched, the small scene fades away and your party reemerges. The quality of the light, you realize, also changed slightly while you were watching that scene. Oh, my head just took a little dip. So you hit your head and had a vision. Oi. Is there anything on the, the pillar where he hit his head, like a carving? Yes, absolutely. There is a carving of an uppercase J and an uppercase A. Something about the nature of this place perhaps awakens memories at any kind of jostle. Things clinging to the architecture. You mean I should smack my head on more wood here? Well, call that plan C. All right. You continue forward, moving up the mine, yes? Yeah, I will check on Wusha very quickly to make sure he doesn't need healing, and it's not, you know, maybe a concussion. But after that, we will proceed. His eyes are a little bloodshot, but he's okay. Got hit in the head. It's fine. It, tall guys are used to it. It's my thickest bone, my <laughs> skull. <laughs> As you continue up the tunnel, you hear... Followed by the scraping noises of something hard scrambling against stone. In the distance of the pitch, you hear a faint voice. Any any of you named Alice? Incoming, everyone. Uh, Who's there? Silence. If I heard that in a fucking cave, I'd be (laughs) shitting my pants. (laughs) (laughs) We were just in that dungeon. Thank you. (laughs) Wusha is definitely going to slide one of his spears into his hand. Of all the times I missed Hal the most, his ability to detect corruption and undead is quite valuable now. I think it seems very obvious what's about to happen. What's that? Oh, the the tunnel is talking to me? You got on your mind, Gasper. I believe we were warned about the undead. That sounded very obviously like someone who haunts a mine. All I'm thinking is if somehow it's riding a mine cart, we don't really have anywhere to dodge to. 
What are the options for arteries here, branching paths? For right now, they have gotten less. It seems like at the beginning of the mine, they were following veins and they didn't go anywhere and followed this main one. So as you continue forward, offshoots here and there happen. It has seemed to level out a bit. So in the immediate vicinity, there is none. In the immediate vicinity, there's a couple that you could go off of, but they don't seem to, they're going to go maybe a hundred feet. Yeah. So you could, you, to answer your question about dodging out of the way, that, that would be possible. Also, it's about 15 feet wide tunnel. So you could hug the wall. Think should something come rumbling down them tracks, Pen can catch it. We'll be fine. I agree. No reason to slow down too much. Really? We fought ghosts and skeletons before. We'll just be ready for anything. In fact, I think we should speed up. If we give them any momentum, it will be detrimental to us. We'll catch them off guard. Exactly. Hey, did you all hear Alice or Alphonse? I heard ours. Ironic here in this mine. Oh, you heard Alice? I heard our. Ours. Just checking. I wonder what it is with undead and A names. <laughs> Regardless, as we press forward with more haste, I'm going to just keep my eye on the pillars nearby to see if there's any more letters that stand out in the carvings. Perfect. What's your passive perception? My passive perception, I believe, is 16. Wonderful. Tis. No, it's 13. I'm not proficient. I lied. Roger. After deciding to continue on, you debate between one tunnel and another. A dim blue light seems to emanate from the passage to the left, making your choice easy. The first turn of the corner does not reveal the source of the light, but the gentle glow trailing from the mouth of the next fork ahead urges you onward. You continue to navigate the twists and turns of the mine until you round a corner and see the silhouette of a short humanoid silently swinging a pickaxe. As you approach cautiously, the figure vanishes, and in its place, you notice the rusted head of a pickaxe leaning against the wall. How strange. Perhaps a memory of this place. Hmm. Should I try knocking my head into it, see if I learn more? Please don't. All right. I wonder if it's the minds that hold the memories or the items left behind. I'll cast Detect Magic on the pickaxe head. You will detect a faint amount of magic. We'll say divination. Interesting. Very subtle. Hmm. It is giving off something, but it might have been part of its construction. A magic pickaxe to make mining more easy, perhaps. Be interesting if this place had its own memories. Like it's got a mine of its own? <laughs> oh dear. Can you tell what they were looking for, Iavos? I can certainly try if this is where the vein ends. Um, inspect the wall and see if any... Usha, I'll give you seven silver if you lick the pickaxe. Wusha will lick the pickaxe with zero hesitation. When your tongue touches the rusted head of this forgotten tool, the world around you vanishes just as before. Oh my gosh. So Wusha's a medium. (laughs) I mean, he's an extra large, if anything. (laughs) I was going to say I'm the meatiest medium here, but you know. (laughs) It's a large medium. (laughs) Wusha's tongue touches the metal. Oh, I see. Hold on. Pull it away. The vision is only there if my tongue is touching it. It's sort of, it just 
when you, when your tongue, when the tip of your tongue touches this metal, everything sort of vanishes and this will play out. Little folks look tired, swinging their pickaxes hard, sweating like a open rain. Oh, looks like they hit something important. They got some sort of dull metal in here. Looks soft. Uh, they seem to be hitting the wall in some kind of pattern, uh, hitting the post. Uh, it's echoing real good. Someone else showing up. They got a big gold A right on their chest. Uh, looks like it's stitched in the cloth. Um, they're pointing excitedly at the thing, but they tell them to pick the axe back up and keep going. Looks like they don't quite like that command, but, you know, they're tired. They're coughing. My head hurts. You were just taking the flavor country. (laughs) (laughs) Donkey sauce. The plight of exploited workers, then. Such a thing could put a curse on a place. Well, cough sounding unhealthy, like they got something evil in them. Um, if I investigate the end of the passage where the pickaxe basically stopped working, is there any sign of what they were uncovering besides the stone itself? I'll say yes. There's going to be a little bit further along, a couple feet from where he described the scene happening. Mm-hmm. You can see bits and flecks of mineral, and it is a dull metal. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to give it to you. I've decided. It is tin. Tin. They're mining for tin. Interesting. Holding it up and showing everyone a little flake that I found. I wonder if they were smelting bronze. Perhaps. This is a different world altogether, perhaps, so tin could have a different meaning. It could be their primary currency, for all we know. Hours. Definitely hours that time, yes. You were right. (laughs) I'm in agreement. I heard Aries this time. (laughs) Seeing is that they were using those posts and knocking on them to communicate, I'm going to lean in and knock on the post three times. Wonderful. Everyone is going to make a perception check. Or die. (laughs) No. I'm too busy looking at my little tin nugget and I got a five. Yep, that sounds about right. I am Iavos's little tin nugget. I get a seven. Great. (laughs) I'll be right in the middle with a six. Okay. (laughs) Who are we? Penny. Five, six, seven, eight. Follow crown. Pay attention. I've got the 22. (laughs) Perfect. Picking up the slack, they call it. Penny, as the rest of your party seems completely engrossed in something other than what's happening around them, you feel slight pressure up against your body tapping slight movement here and there and as you turn you can see your pipes floating in the air away from you do you all see that snap to attention oh floating flutes they are now moving up the edge of a wall ghost burglars let's Let's follow it. All right. If, if Penny got something stolen, I'm also going to look to my own body with all of my very neatly arranged spell components and make sure nothing important is gone. The glass of Ikshi is no longer on your person. Check your bodies. We're being thieved from. 
The like crabs. pipes are now moving along the top corner of the tunnel, and they are a little bit further away. Penny is not going to try to retrieve them right now, but she is going to follow and watch where they go. Wonderful. They continue along 10, 15 feet, and then there is a small crevice in the top corner of the cave that they disappear into. Should we all just follow? I assume this is a good guide as to what's causing us mischief. The creb- the hole in the cave is about a foot and a half by a foot and then seems to get narrower as it goes. And it went into it? It did go into it. Okay, well, I can't fit in there. I'm going to try to put my arm in it if I can. Uh, you absolutely can, particularly with your new height. Yes. You can pop your arm in there and it will probably get to about mid bicep tricep and it gives a a little bit of a turn and you can't really seem to go further. Using the light that Iavos is providing you, it does seem to go on quite far and you do not see any trace of your pipes. Some fear factor shit sticking your arm into a (laughs) tiny hole in a haunted mine. MBD. I wanted my flutes back. I guess I waited too long. <laughs> I do love the idea they're like, someone's stealing from me. And there it goes. <laughs> Let's see how this develops. Wusha's going to pat himself down. Am I missing anything? You are not. Gaspar's going to do a equipment check. You are not. Let's try to keep our eyes on our possessions, I suppose. Wherever my lens is gone, I suppose there's a chance it's where the flute is. There's good news for Gaspar. As you've been moving down the tunnel, chasing these pipes, about 10 feet further, there is an overturned mine cart that had long ago been knocked off its rails. Several groupings of claw marks are etched into the sides of the cart. Closer inspection reveals the deep gouges are in jagged rows of three. The mine cart is entirely empty, save for a small pool of dried blood caked into a corner. Stamped into the front of the cart is the name Broder Mining Co. Broder. I'll spell it for you. B-R-O-D-Y-R. Something sought refuge underneath the safety of this metal cart and it did them no good. Three claws. How strange. I doubt there are any birds down here. If only there was some way of finding out what happened here. Usha, I'll give you 20 silver to lick that blood. (laughs) (laughs) Again, (laughs) a tongue an inch from the blood. Uh, No, no, I was kidding. Sorry, please don't. Let us not continue this dungeon tongue first. (laughs) You'll get miner's nut. (laughs) Oh, no. Although investigating the blood is a very good idea. Just give it a quick analysis. I'm not like getting out like a CSI kit or anything. I'm just like reading the scene and... Trying to figure anything out about the it blood. It looks like, to you, very, very easy. No check required. It looks like regular blood. So dark red. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks as though it's been there for quite a while and has dried and caked. It congealed first and then dried and caked. An important thing to note about whatever kind of predator killed this creature. They didn't eat them on the spot or there would be bones left behind. It took them somewhere. Oh, there's a lot of bone left behind. 
Fair enough, but uh, the blood is so intact that I feel a skeleton would not yet be decomposed. It seems things are being taken somewhere, and that somewhere is probably where we need to go. Should we upend this dirt wagon and start pushing it? I like the way you say that. You're going to pick it up? Yeah. Wonderful. As your hand touches the cold, <laughs> rusted iron of the mine cart, It's all wusha. <laughs> it and your party disappears from your eyes. Oh, these ends aren't my own. I'm, I'm stuck. There are the metal bars around me and the old pieces of wood, but they ain't old. My, my foot. I, I can't move it. Who's up there? I see him. Waiting with the cart. Three little folks. What what are they doing? Why are they laughing? It's coming to me. They're pushing it my direction. My arm. It hurts. I'm screaming. I can feel myself screaming. Ow. Ow. They're they're pinching. No, no, no. Not pinching. they're, they're, They're taking... They're, they're digging at my meat. It's, it's it's coming out of me. I'm bleeding. It's it's the last of it. Oh, my head hurts. They're all scared. Are you okay, Woosh? That sounds awful. Oh, my head hurts. My eyes are a bit sore. And I must say, I like Woosh, but... Oh, <sighs> I think I'll be all right. Are you injured? Was it all experiential? Well... My body ain't more broken than it usually is, so I think it's all just up here. I'm gonna rub at my head. How strange. Oy, their memories here, they ain't good ones. I don't rightly know. I think he has a history of acting a little bit before the thought is fully processed, and that's what's triggering these upon contact with mysterious objects. Oh. Or the ghosts really like Wushaw's brain and they want to get all up in that business. Can't blame them. Lots of room to move around. <laughs> well, Iavos is the expert on artifacts. I suppose. Let us continue our pursuit of the flute. Although, do you want to use the minecart? I absolutely do. I will finish writing the minecart. Wonderful. If it requires any kind of mending to fix any latches or breaks or something, I will use my magic. The minecart seems to be in reasonably good condition. It is unbelievably loud. As you move this heavy minecart from prone to upright and then align it onto the rusted track, there is no grease or oil in the axles or wheels. Metal scraping against metal echoes up and down the tunnels. Any chance of being undetected up until this point is now gone. Would it help at all if Wuxia is canonically laden with whale blubber? (laughs) As you push the cart on the rails and down the tunnel, you notice the air is much damper and it feels as though it is getting colder. The smell of rotten eggs is beginning to become more apparent and a thin stream of water trickles down the rocky floor, pooling at your feet. Here, The previously strong wooden struts are soft and damp with rot. Hours. You hear a gentle creak 
before several small stones fall from the ceiling, their descent followed by a wisp of dust. A thunderous crack follows as one of the struts splits in half. The ceiling collapses. Please welcome our first contestant. This lofty lovely graces us with the gift of her glory from the highest cast of Abel and personal servant to spokeswoman Absis of Inculum, a neon diameter. Oh, wow. It's so super great to be here. I have like a totally huge um, good about it. And boy, do I have a good about you. Next up, this sizzling succubus has risen from the bowels of the fiendish spoke of Verata. Give it up for Karevina. You can call me Cory, little man. You know, Cory, that's not the first little man I've gotten tonight. And let me tell you, it goes down smooth the second time. <laughs> Next up, hailing from the angelic spoke of Miklan, we have the divine diva, Nanael. I have little interest in this contest of venal perversity. I am merely here to ensure that the demon behaves. Mm, whatever you say, mistress. Gross. Yowza! They say a bit of rivalry never hurt anyone, but that adage might not hold up tonight. Next up, let this sprightly seductress sing her sorceress song for you. It's the great nymph Syrinx from the Facebook of Kinuit. Um, Syrinx? She's one of the hidden folk, Aspen. Mortals can't see her. Well, um, that's... I can see her fine. And she's lovely. I have blessed myself with an inviolable form through the power of the Iron Church, so I can see her fine. My prescription spectacles are enchanted with true sight. The Scrytech can project her fine. You're the only one here who can't see her, Mr. Van Caster. Great. Well... Looks like yours truly should have prepped some divination magic, but these eyebrows don't die themselves. I guess we'll just move on. Last night, the cosmos dreamt. A dream of perfection. A dream of power and total domination. And from that dream sprang the beholdress from the spoke of Nox. Give it up for Exondalesk. So happy to be here, Aspen. I just want to say thank you to my uncle who gave birth to my father last week from his pube chamber so that he could have a dream about me, thus manifesting this magnificent flash. She may have been born yesterday, folks, but beyond that beautiful eye is a brain which holds an infinity of knowledge and charm. And last but not least, Doug. Hey. Um, I, I've got nothing on here for you, Doug. I hate to ask, but are, um, are you a woman? I don't understand the question. This is a contest, you know, for the late... Oh, I'm hearing from our producers that this is totally fine. I'm sorry for the intrusion, Doug. Sorry, I, I didn't know plumbing was important. I, I can... Oh, there you go. Do you, um, do you need the, uh, puzzle? No, 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 you're fine. They told me to send a Bowery National or staff member, and I'm, I'm the only staff member. Well, I'm excited to see how you pull off the evening wear. I usually just wear this in the evenings. Well, those are our contestants. Boy, do we have one heck of a show for you tonight, folks. I don't care who you are, you won't want to miss this. 
Well, yeah. that was a good dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fail, right? Like, <laughs> That's a hard fail. Took, took the L on that one. Like, I got to say, like, I l- well, we're, we're probably going to talk about our favorite moments, huh? I think so. That's a thing we I have think, done. I yeah. Think so so uh, first of all, I just want to say I love your style. It has big, like classic D and D energy. The kind of D and D that, like you, you watch on like television in the seventies. That kind of like good, mm. all, the, all that D and D programming. Yes, yeah. that, 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 that was on the yeah that I used to watch. Yeah, that was on the three big networks. OPB, fucking. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is very like retro dungeon crawl, which is a very cool tone. There's something about the tone of it that I really enjoy. Thank you very much. Uh, in listening to this podcast that I am now on, I felt I needed to elevate my game and prepare some more because of your narration. I guess that's the best word. That's what it was. I was like, fuck. He uses a lot of big words. Mm. I do tend to overwrite. Speaking of which, we actually haven't introduced our guest DM. Yeah, no, let's let's go around the table and introduce everybody, starting with... Hey, yo, my name is Max Hobbs. I play Wusha Brineborn, the Wandering Tide. Uh, what else am I supposed to say? I think that's... You're a ranger. I'm a, yeah, I'm a ranger. I'm a, a hunter ranger. I'm good at hunting and I'm good at ranging. And also ocean things. I'm a ranger. I'm a fighter. I'm a child of the water. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I actually, uh, uh, I heard some people throwing around a name for a strength ranger and it's a stranger. Mm. And I'm going to go ahead and stick with that. I'm a stranger. And the extra large medium. Mm -hmm. I am the extra large medium. (laughs) The meatiest medium. I'm Angelo Kaluig. I play Gaspar, the headless rogue of the phantom subclass. Wanted criminal? Question mark? Hey, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) I am Dana Ebert. I play Penelope. Also, a little not Penelope. We're still learning that. I'm a level six warlock. Penelope. Ooh. <laughs> My name is Law. I play Iavos Isadora, Scion to the Withering Acre and Sixth Level Thayersh. And I'm also the creative director of Slamp Dash. I'm Zach Barkas. I play the dungeon usually, but this time I am no dungeon boy. I am simply a dungeon wits- whisperer, dungeon wits- witnesser. <laughs> A dungeon voyeur. voyeur. <laughs> Yo, the DV. Uh, dungeon I also want to thank uh, Bree Golden for making the amazing maps that we're going to see today uh, and Sam Hedinger for editing this. But I also really want to introduce our, our guest DM. Hello. <laughs> My name is Dan. I am the dungeon master and mine foreman today. Oh. I am a level 32 dungeon master. Are we dodging the last names here? Oh, Smith. <laughs> Smith. Sorry. So, yes. Can't Hi, have a everyone. mind without a Smith. My name is Dan Smith. <laughs> to be fair, if anybody had to just guess what your last name was, they might have just thrown a dart at a wall and got yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that totally sounds like a real name. So, I'd love to hear everybody's <laughs> favorite moments from this episode. This is a, a weird split experience. So, you know. I love, uh, well, first and foremost, love the energy of the, the guest DM, mm. love the, the fun. A uh, spooky haunted mine. Gotta love a haunted mine. Mm-hmm. But I specifically have to give credit to Iavos right now for playing the role of Wusha's dad and <laughs> telling him to stop licking things and stop putting things in his mouth. <laughs> Don't it's the role he never wanted to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm giving my highlight to Sea Glass of Bones. Mm. Um, being I did one love of the that. more like creepy foreshadowing signs of danger because in my head I'm going like oh my is the t- 
tunnel going to fill with water? Is it like, what is grinding these things? Like broken bones, bones left over. I'm fine with corroded but, bones. But why is, yeah. Why is it worn down? <laughs> it was all by chicken. It was, lizards. <laughs> There's just so many fucking chickens in this fucking dungeon. <laughs> so I think that being my favorite nugget of um, ambiance. Favorite bone nugget. Yeah. Dana. They're just grinding bones to make bread. Mm-hmm. My favorite moment. I know I know a lot of stuff about like Wuxia's mediumness <laughs> is is likely to come up here, but observationally that was really instigated by specifically Gaspar daring him to to lick the pickaxe. And so that specific moment was my favorite. Yes, Gaspar pushing Wuxia into these moments of vision quest is pretty funny. I it's someone has to say it. It was you'll probably hear it in the bonus content, but it was Wuxia's Vision gasm. We took like three takes, particularly me and Zach, busting our fucking asses up at the orgasmic noises. You might have contextual hints. You might have still heard me like just like strangling a a laugh. Strawberry faced doofuses. We'll see how the cut turns out, but definitely. Oh, it's coming out of me. (laughs) Definitely, if you're on the Discord and you're a patron, go to the bonus content and hopefully. I've got something in there for you. <laughs> Fingering me like a mandolin. <laughs> oh. Honestly, I'm just really loving the narration. I'm really enjoying Dan being here. Dan, did you have any particular highlights that you've you've loved so far? I'm I'm the only thing that I can think of in my brain right now is very narcissistic. Oh, do it. I'm just really proud of myself for timing that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's a it's skill. Hard. That was a huge. That's the, the my biggest thing is like, oh well, I'm used to just rolling with it and doing it. And I've been playing different RPGs and completely different game systems. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to screw up this episode. It's got to be a <laughs> nice tight forty-five. Oh. And I feel like we were super tight with that timing. That's yeah. what I'm very proud of now. That that right there was also just a phenomenal strong bad impression. So like spot on. <laughs> Oh, well, don't just, don't it just it. creeped in. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming and listening. Obviously, you know all the whole spiel if you've been listening this long. If this is your first episode, I'm really sorry, uh, especially if a lot of uh, Max's bullshit uh, and, and extremely horny and like reading came through. Um, uh, and just for a quick shout out to Dan, check out Puzzling Package, right? Is oh, yeah. Pu- oh, shit, uh, sorry. Yeah. I, I I got excited about what I was doing here. I own a business. Oh, Puzzle Master. It's called Puzzling Package Industries. Uh, you can go to puzzlingpackage.com and we will send you a box. We, there's a quick elevator pitch. It is a narrative-based puzzle adventure supported by realistic artifacts which is a mouthful to say, I'm going to give you a bunch of handmade stuff that's going to tell a maybe spooky or supernatural kind of story. You can solve some puzzles, follow along with the narration to understand the mystery and what happened, and it will give you a complete picture of an event from the past, and then you have a pretty badass handmade artifact. The best one, in my opinion, is the most recent. It's called Runes of Odin, and you get a drinking horn. Mm. I was going to say, I have one of those yeah, horns. I do I too. I fucking love it. Hell yeah. Very fucking cool. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, thank you guys again for showing up. Please check out uh, the LUQ.com for all of our information. But uh, until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs>